Well, good morning, Hillcrest Baptist Church, and good morning to those who are online. Happy to have you with us as well. I've uh, been greatly blessed in the preparation for this uh, short series, so I feel yet again as if I'm uh, the one very special spoiled child of God. Um, and, and today again, uh, I, I uh, actually forced Billy not to preach today. Uh, I said he, he needs to be at home. And uh, I, I pushed him out of the way, and I demanded to have today in the pulpit again. So thank you, Billy, for allowing me. You want to open your Bibles to First Peter chapter 2, and we're going to discuss the, uh, the meaning of those verses from verse 4 to verse 8. Before we do that, let's just come to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, as we bow our heads before you, we do this in total dependence on you. We, uh, we want to understand your value better. We want to understand your purpose for us as a church better. We want to be convicted of how we can play a part more effectively to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, whom in this portion of the Bible is described as the cornerstone. We confess that we so easily uh, look past that, that we so easily go to our own cornerstones that are meaningless and worthless. So help us today to focus our attention again on what we must apply in what you want to tell us. Amen. So the theme for today is uh, how to build a, a better house, and we find our foundation in the verses that we spoke about. Before we do that, just a quick reminder of what we went through over the last number of weeks. Uh, Peter explains in First Peter chapter 1, and so it's as if the church in dispersion uh, would, uh, would send a message to Peter and say, Peter, we, we, we're in dispersion. We're not in Jerusalem anymore. We, we're away from our place of worship. What now? And Peter says, remember the Savior and explains to them who the Savior is and the value of the Savior. Jesus is the only Savior and He is of ultimate value. And then they say, but, but Peter, how does that work out in our lives now? And he says, well, what you have to do, your response to that Savior, the correct response, the required response, is to obey Him. But how does it play out in our lives? And he says, well, what you, what you need to do is, apart from loving Him and appreciating Him, you have to love one another. How do we do that? What do we do? We, uh, to, the, to the limit. That's how you love. And he says, but, but help us. They say, help us. And Peter says, well, this, what you do is you stop sinning and you start studying. You, you stop with those sins that cause lovelessness in the church. We went through that list last time. And in today's verses, Peter enables us to understand how the whole church fits together and the amazing meaning. I'm amazed that a fisherman, I mean, Peter was not a theologian, didn't go to seminary, but he was taught by, the Jesus, by Jesus Christ himself. And by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, He gives us this picture of the church that leaves us with no other option but to be challenged again by how we fit into this organism that is called the church. So read with me 1 Peter chapter 2 from verse 4. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, 
to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So, the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So you can see firstly here that Peter calls Jesus by an interesting name. He calls Jesus a cornerstone. So let me explain cornerstone because in our context today it's, it's lost its meaning. Did you know that we have a cornerstone here on our property? We do. If you, if you leave the building there and you go to the right and out, you'll go to the, to the chapel and you'll see the cornerstone. Thank you, Derek, for that excellent photo of the cornerstone. But that cornerstone, if uh, Derek would go in the week and he'll take it out, nothing much will happen to the building itself. So that cornerstone is really there to give us information and to remind us of when that building was uh, started to be, to be used as a, a building. But in the New Testament times, uh, this next picture is a picture of uh, cornerstones in Philippi, actually. And you'll see that the rest of the building is like gone, right? But there are those pillars, and those are the cornerstone pillars. So when Peter talks about cornerstone, it really is the foundation of the building. Everything else hangs onto that. The stability of the building depends on the quality of the cornerstone. So Jesus is the foundation of the church. Without Him, we have no reason to benefit in any of our endeavors. Our meeting together will be a waste of time. Our evangelism will be fruitless. Our giving will benefit no one. Embarking on a building project will be stupid and short-sighted. Unless, unless all of this is done because of Jesus, the cornerstone, for the glory of the living stone, and to testify about Him, the rejected stone. If all that we do at HBC is for Jesus, then evangelism is so worth it. And our giving is so blessed. And our meeting together is so beneficial. And even our troubles become bearable. So Peter draws a plan, like an architect, of the church as a spiritual house. And he points out that as we build together, we can build a better spiritual house because of three reasons. This spiritual house is expensive, verse 4. This spiritual house is expanding, verse 5. And in verse 6 to 8, this spiritual house is exclusive. So let's go to 1 Peter 2, verse 4, and address the first point. This spiritual house is expensive. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Who, uh, who wants to guess which building in, uh, in the world currently is the most expensive building? Anyone? No, Sphere, you were here in the first service, you can't guess. Anyone? What? 
Oh, no. Did someone say Keith Brown's house? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the Queen's house, that's what you said. You're right. Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Palace is valued at $5 billion. $5 billion. That's 70.7 million rand in yesterday's exchange rate. It has 775 rooms. Not many people live there. Many people work there, but not many people live there. So what makes something expensive? Is it the cost? Because there are other homes that cost more, but they are valued less than Buckingham Palace. Is it its purpose? Yeah. Some will argue not much purpose in that house anymore, right? Is it its meaning? Yes, possibly. I have something very valuable in my house, apart from my wife. She's beyond all value. Just show that next picture, please, Pepe. That's the most valuable painting in my house. And it's because it was painted at my 50th birthday. It was given to me by my daughter. That's a replica of a smaller version that she did when she was like six years old. When I turned 50, she did this for me. And even the smudges, you'll come and visit me and you'll see even the smudges. She even copied that onto this bigger painting. You cannot offer me enough. I will not sell this painting to you because it's too valuable. It'll be too expensive for you to pay for that painting. The cornerstone in this spiritual house makes this house precious and expensive. God's spiritual house finds its value in who it belongs to and who it is anchored to. Just think for a moment about that remarkable phrase that Peter uses, a living stone. So just notice firstly that this stone is a him. It's not a it. He says, come to him. And that him we find in the previous verse, 1 Peter 2 verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So it's very clear that the him is the Lord Jesus. We call him a stone. And usually when people talk about something as a stone or someone as a stone, it's not really a living stone, is it? We'll say that, the, that this person is dead as a stone or that someone has a heart of stone. If you kill something, you kill something stone dead. But Jesus is presented to us by Peter as a living stone. What does that mean? What is a stone like? And Peter plays with these words, it's, and he says it's something solid and immovable, something strong and reliable, something that does not change. And Peter may be playing with the words because of his name. Remember, his name means the rock. And Jesus once asked Peter a very important question. We find that in Matthew 16, verse 15. Jesus asked Peter, after he, after he asked, well, what do people say? Who do people say I am? They gave all sorts of different answers, and he turned to Peter and said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And it's as if Jesus would stand here today in front of you and will require of you to answer the same question. If Jesus would stand here, he would ask, who do you say I am? And then we see the rest of how that scene plays out from verse 16. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And through the ages, some churches and some commentators have misinterpreted the meaning of that rock, on this rock. But Jesus confirmed there what he was saying is that he will build his church on the rock-solid confession that Peter made. The rock, the cornerstone of the whole church of Jesus is who Jesus is. He is the Son of the living God, the Christ, according to what the Father revealed to Peter. And each of you must also personally answer that question before you leave today. If Jesus was standing here, he would ask you, who do you say I am? He's God's appointed, specially prepared stone. He will not change with the times or under pressure. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is reliable. He is as solid as a rock. So what does that mean? He's a living stone because he is a person, living. He is compassionate as a person who loves those who come to him. And because he is a personal, he is personal. We are able to enter into a personal relationship of love with him and for him. He was dead, but he's now alive. And because of his resurrection, he truly is the living stone, able to give life to all those who are connected to him. John 6 verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. He is able to transform the lives of those who build their lives on Him. When Jesus walked on this earth, He walked as the cornerstone that God had promised in the Old Testament. But He was rejected by those to whom He was sent. And in John 1 verse 11, we see He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. His own people did not want Him. And many still today do not want Him. Many still today reject Him. Many still today mock the idea of tearing down the old, worthless, ungodly foundations. And they mock building their lives on the cornerstone, Jesus, instead. You may be one of those. Are you ignoring Jesus? Are you rejecting Jesus? Are you mocking Jesus? You see, the ignorance and the mocking doesn't change anything from God's perspective. Jesus is still the cornerstone that is chosen by God and precious. Why do I say that this is a, a spiritual house? And why do I say it is expensive? Well, what is expensive? So we looked at Buckingham Palace. It's not for sale. Well, not yet. But even if you had $5 billion to make an offer today, it's not for sale, right? Not at the moment. It's the same with the spiritual house of God. And it's worth much, much, much more than $5 billion. The whole universe was created so that this spiritual house can be built. The purpose of the whole creation is so that God will build His spiritual house. Do any of you accept Sphera? 
know of the diamond planet? Yes, someday in the back. There we go. So let me tell you about the diamond planet for those who don't know. According to Peter Cohen of uh, Forbes magazine, he writes the following. He says, the diamond planet is formerly known as 55 Cancri E. According to Reuters, it orbits a star in the constellation of Cancer and completes a rotation, a rotation that takes the Earth 365 days around our star, the Sun, takes this diamond, uh, diamond uh, planet uh, only 18 hours. So it's a very fast planet. But that's not the point. A gentleman by the name of uh, Niku Madusudan, I always smile when I say that because it sounds like Afrikaans, Madusaydan. You know, he's looking for the star, and he saw it, and he says, Madusaydan. <laughs> Niku Madusaydan says, this planet, according to, uh, to his research, is covered in graphite and diamond. Just imagine that. So what is it worth then? You know? So Niku Madusudan did some calculations. You know, here's an example of some of his calculations. So what he did was he took the diamond planet's diamond mass, and then in the next line, he took the raw diamond value in kilograms. And then the last calculation, he took the diamond planet's diamond value and he calculated that. The next one, please, Pepe. 26 nonillion. So how many zeros in a million? Six. The teacher. A nonillion has 30 zeros. That's how much the diamond planet is worth. Spiritual house is worth more because God knows about the diamond planet and there may be others that are more valuable. And God says, don't want to live there. Want to live in the spiritual house with Jesus as the cornerstone. Jesus is the only one for you to build your life on with confidence. I hope you have built your life on him because this spiritual house is worth building because of his value, the value of the cornerstone. And this house is so expensive that you cannot buy your way into it, even if you owned the diamond planet. Next, the spiritual house is also worth building because this spiritual house is expanding. It's not enough that it's valuable already, it's also expanding, 1 Peter 2, verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. If you look at Buckingham Palace again, you'll see an aerial view of the, uh, the grounds. So Buckingham Palace itself consists of 77 thousand square meters. The grounds, a bit bigger, 158,000 square meters, that's about 16 rugby fields only. But that's it. So if the queen, before she hands over the crown to whoever is next in line, if they don't move to America and do things like that, <laughs> then uh, they would have to break down some of the buildings surrounding the park. And that, I think, will upset some of her subjects. In verse 4, Peter states that we come to Jesus. So if you're a true believer, then you are one of those who came to Jesus. You were called by an effectual call, 
You were called by an irresistible call. And more and more are coming to Him every day. And maybe you will come to Him today. You see that according to a Christian research organization called Lifeway Research, they wrote the following just towards the end of last year. In recent decades, atheism has started to experience minor growth, but only at a rate of 0.22%. Christianity, on the other hand, is growing at 1.19% and is expected, expected to continue to grow and add adherence globally. We know that because Jesus said that would happen. The spiritual house is expanding. You know what else? The spiritual house can't get smaller. When you get to our age, some of, some of us get to a point where we look at our house, and we say we want to downsize. So we either rent out a portion of the house or we go to a smaller house, right? The spiritual house cannot get smaller. It just gets bigger. Because once you're part of this house, you can't leave. You may move from room to room, so currently our room in this spiritual house is Hillcrest Baptist Church. You may decide to go to another room that may be another church, but you can't leave the house. The church is expanding. It's like a holy lockdown, isn't it? We're all sitting in the same house. Can't leave it. Peter also says in verse 5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. You yourselves, he says, each one of you who was made part of this spiritual house are what? Living stones. You're not the cornerstone. Note. And, and you're not to think that you can be the cornerstone. You know, sometimes when people are in trouble, we encourage one another to say, well, let's be Jesus for them. You can't be Jesus for them. But you can introduce them to Jesus. You can invite them to become part of the expansion of this spiritual house so that they will be connected to the cornerstone. We're not the cornerstone. We are cracked. We are dirty. We're often not well-formed. We lack abilities. We lack intention. I spoke to you about the Parker family and the perfect milk tart but it's only part of the Parker family that can do that. There's a part of the Parker family that is just not a perfect stone for milk tart. So it's like the Parker brothers are the cornerstone of milk tart in that household. So you know I say that tongue-in-cheek, but relate that to the spiritual house. You know, how dare we think that we are the cornerstone and that the whole house revolves around us. So, the fact is, that there are no dead stones in this house. They're all living stones. Each stone has a, a spiritual purpose. And each stone in this spiritual house is alive. So you're either rocking it in this house or you are a rolling stone outside of this house. In this house, you contribute. You have a task. And if you take a stone out of this wall in this house, it leaves a gap and may even compromise the structure of this house. So Christian, you have a role to play. You have a task. And if you don't know what that task is, ask. We'll tell you. And I apologize. I know 
that some of you have volunteered for tasks in the past and you've been neglected. We didn't give you work. Just ask again, please. We'll try and do better. But the fact is, we are being built into something special, something holy. We are being built into a spiritual house. And it's spiritual because it's not made with hands. Because the temple of the Old Testament era was made by hands. But this house is being built by the Holy Spirit, and it is not for earthly purposes. It is built for spiritual purposes. The world does not contribute to this house at all. The world cannot even understand or relate to this house. And notice also that Peter says that we, the living stones, that come to Jesus and that are built together as the building material for a spiritual temple are a holy priesthood. Not like the ultimate Testament priests. We are all priests that serve in this temple. And we are holy priesthood, a holy priesthood, one that is set apart by God Himself and sanctified for His holy purposes. He prepared good works beforehand that you should walk in them, according to Ephesians 2 verse 10. So what do these holy priests do? 1 Peter 2 verse 5, the second part. Offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Not the offerings of the Old Testament priesthood. Those animal sacrifices were a picture of what Jesus has now already fulfilled for us. Our sacrifices are the sacrifices of praise. Sacrifices of thanks to God. Sacrifices of loving Him and loving one another in acts of service. Our sacrifices are made acceptable to God through Jesus Christ and that He did on the cross on our behalf. What a wonderful thing this church is, isn't it? A spiritual temple to the living God that is made up of living stones who are holy priests, making sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, who is our cornerstone. And just look at, think about this picture of this building. We are all together and connected to the one cornerstone. No one who is truly built upon Christ is their own individual, freestanding, one-brick temple. To be truly joined to Christ means to be joined to the church of which Jesus is the cornerstone. The world love neither the cornerstone nor His people. And Peter is writing to a group of people who knew about the ignorance of this world. Peter writes in part to encourage them to not let go of this connectedness, to not let go of this value of this spiritual house, and not to let go of the connection, the special connection to the cornerstone. The spiritual house is expanding. Stones are added every day. So are you steady as a rock, part of this house, or are you a rolling stone? Are you out on your own, rolling down the hill, gathering moss? Or are you contributing to the expansion of this house? Number three, this spiritual house is exclusive. Verses 6 to 8 of First Peter chapter 2. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, 
a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Peter quotes, he says, for it stands in Scripture, and then he quotes a number of passages. And we'll say, hey, Peter, how many times are you going to quote, quote the Bible? And Peter's answer is at least one more time, as he confirmed to us previously. So Peter quotes from Isaiah 8 and Isaiah 28 and Psalm 119. And he just you know, follows the pattern that we saw in 1 Peter 1, verse 23 and verse 25, where we, re where we read, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. And then verse 25, But the Word of the Lord remains forever. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. God placed the cornerstone Jesus in place. That cornerstone is chosen and precious. God's own people rejected this precious cornerstone, and many today still reject Him. But God also brings in stone after stone, adding to the spiritual house so that it is, it is filled to the rafters with holy priests who serve God and one another. Just like God said they must. Other cornerstones will lead to disappointment and loss. But Jesus, the true, chosen, precious cornerstone from God, will never, ever lead to ultimate disappointment. Now note this, 1 Peter 2 verse 8. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. All people who ever lived, who is alive today, and who will live into the future are determined, predetermined, by what they do with Jesus. As the Bible say, even if Jesus is rejected by men, they are not really done with him at all. He will yet come back to them. He is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, according to verse 8, to those who do not believe. And as Jesus himself said at the end of the, the Sermon on the Mount that we see in Matthew 7 from verse 24, he says the following, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been built on the rock. And if you hear these words and it resonates with you, then you are probably in the spiritual house. But then from verse 26, we read this. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You, who know that you are part of this spiritual house, you will love these words. 
But there are others. They stumble because they disobey the Word. So that part makes sense, right? If you have the code of conduct, conduct of a house or of a club or of an organization, you choose to disobey that, won't last long in the club or in that house. There are certain things that if you do that in my house, you're out. We had a cat that learned that when it bit my wife. There's a code of conduct. So it makes sense if you say, well, they disobey the rules, therefore they're not part of the house. But look at this. As they were destined to do. Destined to do. So we have children, Nettie and I, and we have property, and our children are destined to inherit our property if they last longer than we do. They are destined for that. None of you are. None of you so far are in our will and testament. The Parker brothers are creeping clo closer and closer. <laughs> but you're not. Destined means it's destined. We know who our children are, and we will that they will inherit our home. And nothing will change that. They are destined to inherit our home. Some are predestined to be children of God. I want to remind you of Romans 8, verse 29 to 30. For those whom God foreknew, God also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. You may say, well, am I in or out? Well, a simple test to know if you are part of the house is are you obeying the Bible? Which part? All of it. Are you, are, you, are you desiring to know the Bible and to do the Bible as Peter so often reminds us? You know, even the most well-known verse in the Bible confirms this predestination issue. John 3, verse 16, right? And everyone who's ever heard this verse loves the first part. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Fantastic. But then God doesn't stop there. He says, so that. Here's the exclusion. Whoever believes in Him. And that means whoever believes everything about Him shall not perish but have eternal life. This house is exclusive. So don't sit here today and be spiritually stupid by arguing. Well, if that's God's attitude, I want nothing to do with Him. Then that's your guarantee that you'll never be part of this house. And if you go further and say, but if, if God then will predestine, if God's destiny for my child or for my father or for my neighbor or for my best friend if God's destiny for them is not to be part of this house, if God's plan and God's destiny for them is to go to hell forever, then I don't want to go to heaven either. Then that may be your guarantee that you will join your friend or your father or your child. This house is exclusive because it's God's house, not your house or my house. We sometimes say, Welcome in the house of God. 
And I hope when we say that, we mean not the building, but welcome in the house, the spiritual house of God. So just pulling it together. The spiritual house is expensive. You can't buy your way into it. Not even all the wealth in the whole universe can get your way into this spiritual house. And this house is expanding. And this house is exclusive. But may it not be that any of us here today are destined for stumbling. So let's make sure that we believe everything that the Bible declares about this wonderful God-appointed and God-appreciated cornerstone. Let's make sure that our lives are built upon Him, upon His sinless life, upon His sacrificial death, upon His burial. And let's make sure that we build our lives upon His resurrection into everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, as we approach You again, we marvel at Your amazing plan. We marvel at the way that You put together uh, this plan of a spiritual house. Lord, and those of us who are living stones in this house, we thank You and we praise You. And we marvel again at how this works out in our lives. We thank you that we can be part of the spiritual house and that we can serve here in this portion of the spiritual house called Hillcrest Baptist Church. Oh, Lord, help us to never stray away from the cornerstone. Help us to know that he is the only life and power, that he is our rock-solid foundation. But, Lord, we also pray that if anyone listens to this message that they won't be stumbling, that the cornerstone will become precious to them as well, and that no one who listens to this message will turn away from it, that the mocking and the rejecting of Jesus will stop, and that it will turn into praise and worship and thanksgiving. Oh Lord, let us see it in one another, and let's live out our role and responsibility as living stones, as holy priests, as we serve you and serve one another in the portion of this marvelous living building that you have given us. And all of that for the sake of our Lord and Savior, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Amen.